Pastor Xavier Reese shares the simple truths and consequence of shed blood. The scriptural reasons for capital punishment are very clear. In Numbers 35, the shedding of a person's blood defiles the land. The defilement of the land cannot be atoned for except by the blood of the guilty party. You let them live, the land's defiled, and it perpetuates the murder. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. There's a big battle going on today designed at keeping the Bible out of government. Well, according to Pastor Xavier, our laws are directly influenced by biblical principles. And today, as he takes us back to his study series in the Old Testament book of Joshua, he brings up the most controversial of laws, capital punishment. Let's join him in Joshua chapter 20 for an important message titled, No Refuge for Murderers. The particular cases involving murder are given to us in Numbers 35, verse 16 through 18, punishable by death. No exceptions. Now, in those three verses, it says, if he strikes the individual with an iron implement, and he died. If he strikes the individual with stone in his hand, and he died. If he strikes the individual with a wooden hand weapon, and he died. And he could go on and on, but those three are examples of something that you're, you're, you're thinking you're, you're going to kill somebody, you know, and, and, and you kill the person. But the case of unintentional, accidental manslaughter was to be tried and judged by the evidence to find out if it was true. And again, Numbers 35, 22 through 25 confirms here what Joshua is saying. The particulars to qualify for unintentional manslaughter are clearly, clearly stated. Let me give you two verses. Verse 22 and 23 of Numbers 35. 22 says this. However, if he pushes him suddenly without enmity or throws something at him without lying in wait or uses a stone by which a man could die throwing it at him without seeing him so that he dies while he was not his enemy or seeking him harm so you had no intention in fact the examples that are given in Exodus and in Deuteronomy and, and other portions they say if you go out and you you you're, you're, you go out to cut some wood Winter time, you're going to get some firewood. And you're out there hacking away, boom, 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 and you lift your axe. You're going to give him a good whack, and that axe head just flies over the bush. And you hear, you go there, whoa, the axe handle flew off, hit him, killed him. You run to the refuge city. You didn't know the dude was there. You're going for wood. Accidental. The person judging the case would consider, examine, and bring the verdict based on the body of evidence. The person judging the case after finding the person innocent of all charges, he would allow the person to remain in that city. But if he was guilty, he would hand them over to the avenger blood. But if he was innocent, he would stay in the city. The avenger blood could not kill him. He was acquitted. And he would remain there again, as we said, until the death of the high priest. Verse 25 of Numbers gives us that, and also Joshua here, 20, gives us at the end of the chapter, verse 9. So the provisions were for the protection of the individual, for the justice of the system, 
and for the health of society. The interesting parallel again is that Jesus Christ is our refuge, Hebrews 6 tells us. And we've run to him. Your safety is in Christ, not outside the walls. You understand? Johnny Cochran told a television interviewer when the trial of O.J. had finished about the American justice, especially in particular to the O.J. trial. And Johnny Cochran, I'm quoting him, he said, the color of justice is not black or white. It is green. Pretty bold statement. The time has come that the lady of justice should have her blinders removed and a wallet put on her scales. It's tragic. How frustrating it is to so many people in society today when it comes to equitable justice, again, particular in the case of murder. Some of you have experienced that in your own family, and justice has not been carried out. The lawyers fabricate and build up cases that are so insulting to the facts and the evidence that it, um, it causes people to want to take justice into their own hands, and has many times. Lawyers often offer plea bargains, a lesser charge if you cooperate, if you give information. Isaiah 5.20, listen. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I would not want to be a lawyer or a judge come judgment day. It's going to be an eye-opener for them. If you're a lawyer, don't send me a letter, okay? <laughs> or email. Justice on this earth has much to do with the amount of money a person has to be defended. To deny it is to be blind to the travesty of our own court system in the last 20, 30 years. Don't get me wrong, we still have the best judicial system of the world, but um, not what it used to be. It keeps deteriorating. It's not to say that there's no justice at all being executed, it's just that it's not equal. Proverbs 29.2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked man rules, the people groan. People are groaning in America. When they release a murder for technicalities, when he's confessed to the crime, something's wrong with us. When they release a child molester or one who has brutally murdered and mutilated a child and they release him on technicalities, the problems with the, those in authority, one of the most basic reasons for the exercise of capital punishment is recorded in Genesis right after the flood. In Genesis 9, 5 through 6, God says, Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning from the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, man by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he is made. Genesis 9, 5 through 6. The reason is because man is made in the image of God. It's an attack against God. And so God says, if it's an animal, 
you kill the animal. If it's a man, you kill the man. If it's a woman, you kill the woman. If it's a teenager, you kill the teenager. Whoa. Man has removed God from his mind and the existence of God. And therefore, his sense of values are warped and twisted, equating the life of an animal to that of a man. I don't understand people today, and I'm really not that good. <laughs> I'm a sinner just like you. Yet at the same time, women kill their babies in the womb, and the next week they're protesting to save the whales. We have two set of brains, or what's going on? Something's definitely wrong. Isaiah 59, 4 says, No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. Isaiah 59, 4. Twisting words. Well, the animals, you know, they, they suffer, and, and so we got to get psychologists for them, and we've got to get this, and, and by the way, they don't need dog food anymore. you got to have special that, and you've got to make doctor's appointments for them and everything like that. If you're an animal lover, please don't write me either, okay? Um, <laughs> I, I, I like animals. I just don't worship animals. I have them for pets, and I eat them. <laughs> not, not the pets, but those, those that we can eat, Okay. So these are the particular cases involving murder, all right? Very straightforward. Now, let me give you the principles for the case of murders. These are important. We find that in Numbers 35, verse 29 through 34. In verse 29 of Numbers, the statutes are absolutely binding for all their generations and for all their dwelling places. No exception. No exception. That's good. Once everybody understands, the rules apply to everybody, no matter where you are, no matter what generation comes, nobody can plead ignorance. In verse 30 of that chapter, the sentence of death required two witnesses. This is important. The witness of one was too tempting for one to just bring vengeance on someone. So there must be at least two, preferably three, especially against murder. Why? Because the law stated in Deuteronomy 19, 16 through 20, that if you went in partnership with someone to falsely accuse someone in the case of murder, knowing that the consequences of penalty was taking their life, if you were found out to be a false witness in such a case, then you would be put to death. You would have a hard time to have somebody agree with you. A deterrent, ooh, dirty word, a deterrent for you to be part of the deception. The witness of two or three established a matter, Deuteronomy 17, 6, Deuteronomy 19, 15. The setting of a man free for money was not permitted at all. Verse 31 and 32 of Numbers tells us that. The murderer could not be ransomed for his or her guilt, but they were to be put to death, male or female, Jew or stranger, young or old, straight across the board. The person in refuge 
could not be ransomed in order to be set free prior to the death of the high priest. Verse 32 tells us. So he had to do his time. If he left early and he was caught and the blood redeemer killed him, he disobeyed the law. No amount of money could save you. No prominent family name could deliver you. That's good. The scripture reasons for capital punishment are very clear. Let me give them to you. In Numbers 35, key verses, 33 through 34, the shedding of a person's blood defiles the land. It defiles the land. The defilement of the land by the blood of that dead person cannot be atoned for except by the blood of the guilty party. You remove the guilty person. If you let him live, the land is defiled and it perpetuates the murder. And we have seen the reason given to Noah already in Genesis because we're created in the image of God. But Numbers gives us the sociological effects of it. The spiritual aspect is we're created in the image of God. The sociological aspect is the land will be defiled. There's no consequences. Murders keep happening. And so the Lord says also one more reason for capital punishment. The Lord dwells in the midst of the children of Israel. He's the witness to every murder. He is the witness to the executions and the justice of every trial. The sixth commandment says, you shall not kill. It does not speak against capital punishment. It speaks against murder. Capital punishment is not included in the Ten Commandments. It's a command against killing somebody intentionally, murder. It is not speaking against going to war for your country. God is called the God of wars. He sends the children of Israel into the land to judge the people of the land. The Ten Commandments, the sixth particular, is against premeditated murder and murder itself. Not against accidental manslaughter or going to war. Context, context, context. Scripture interprets scripture. You remember Joshua, we looked at Achan. Joshua said in Joshua 7, 25, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned him with fire after they had stoned him with stones. There's the price to pay. You have gangrene. Your little toe starts turning black. You put it off. You go to the doctor. He says, we have to amputate your toe. Oh, no, no, no. The little toe's been with me for a long time. I can't, you know. Okay. Next time you come back, it's now the whole foot. Oh, no, no, no. The foot's, I, I, then it's a leg. Then it's your life. The analogy is real simple, people. It is an equal parallel. There are those who think that the New Testament does not support capital punishment. They say that under grace we are not under law and therefore it doesn't apply to us. Um, they categorically oppose any support for capital punishment as a Christian or as a New Testament teaching. I think they're wrong. 
And I'm going to give you some scriptures for that. Let's look at the words of Jesus. Luke 12, 4. Jesus believed in capital punishment. Jesus said that man is not to fear those who kill the body and afterwards have no more power to kill the soul. In Luke 12, 4. Now, Jesus could have been referring to man in general, one who would kill another man, okay? But Jesus could have also been referring to governmental powers that have the power and authority to execute the evil. Jesus also did not contest or object to the killing of some Galileans by Pilate, who was in authority. Listen to Luke 13, 1 and 3. Do you suppose, Jesus says, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? Because they suffer such thing? I say to you, no, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. So in other words, they were lawbreakers and they were executed because they broke the law. Pretty heavy, huh? It's the mouth of Jesus. Jesus warned the disciples in a prophetic way about physical persecution that would result in death through capital punishment of the state in Matthew 24, 9. We know that during the Great Tribulation, that's going to happen through the Antichrist. Because they won't obey him or submit to him, he'll kill them. He's in authority. Jesus himself was put to death by the authorities of the land, both religious and civil, though they found him innocent, John 18, 38. Jesus submitted himself to all the laws unless they contradicted the word of God. Paul's writings in Romans 13, 1 through 7, you're familiar with it, also confirms the teaching of capital punishment for the New Testament. He acknowledges the ruling authorities of the land as ordained of God, which the believers to be subject to, even though those authorities are non-Christian, right? The only case that we have for disobeying governmental law, local or federal, is when the government tells me something contrary. They say, Pastor Reese, you cannot preach the gospel. Then I have to preach the gospel. Because now they tell me to do something contrary to God's word. It's the only time I can rebel against the civil law. You understand? No other time. We have to uh, do sunrise service in the parks. We, we need permits. We obey the law. We go get our permits. I don't just say, well, you know, I'm not under this authority. And I go out there and they come and arrest me. Then I need to go to jail. I, I broke the law. I can't say, well, you know, it's Christian persecution. No, they're, they're, they're taking me to jail because I broke the law. Paul points out that the government and authority does not bear the sword in vain in verse 4 of Romans 13. For he is God's minister and avenger of execute wrath on him who practices evil. The sword is capital punishment. Paul and others were very aware of what government they were talking about, the Roman government. They weren't Christians. <laughs> in fact, Paul lost his head in capital punishment. Peter also, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 through 17, agrees with the words of Jesus and Paul about the ruling authorities. Uh, in verse 13, the all-inclusive impairment command is, Therefore, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Pay taxes, tribute, Paul says, 
Peter says the same thing. Do what you have to. Verse 14 of, second, of uh, 1 Peter there too. He says their source and purposes are to governors as to those who are sent by him, God, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. So God basically has a given authority and put government to curtail evil. But we understand that those in authority aren't always righteous, they're not always Christian, but for the most part, government is, is, is better than no government at all. Even when it's evil, there's some control, some order, right? Verse 15 and 16 of Peter 2, he says, For this is the will of God, that by so doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using your liberty as a cloak of vice, but as bondservants of Christ. And so we do what we do to demonstrate that we not only trust and obey God, but we are submissive to man according to the rules, as long as they don't contradict the word of God. Verse 17, the perspective is honor all people, love the, pre, the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Pretty heavy, huh? You see the failure to bring about speedy justice to execute capital punishment only increases disorder and more murders. Many say the capital punishment does not deter the murder. Yet that is precisely what guy, why God says kill him. He's the first person that's deterred permanently. The second person that's deterred is the one who is thinking of doing what he did and he knows what he got for what he did. Now he still may do it, but he's going to think before he does it. If it's not a deterrent, why do policemen write tickets? Why do you get a, a finance charge for your late bill on your house? <laughs> Why is your license taken away from the DM, by the DMV? Why do you spank your child? Why do you get fired because you're late at work all the time? <laughs> Deterrent. Ecclesiastes 8.11, listen. Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. Ecclesiastes 8.11 There's no consequences. They keep doing evil worse and worse and worse. It's like gravity, man. These are the principles for the case of murder. Pretty clear in the word to me. Pretty straightforward. The reasoning is fair. It's wise. And so think about what the Bible teaches about murder, both old and new, and how it's to be handled and the type of society it would produce. And then look at our society and our world and what it thinks about murder, how it handles it, and the society it has produced. <laughs> Pretty big difference. The provisions for the case of murder have the innocent in mind in the text. There will be innocent people be found guilty. You can't escape that. But the numbers will be fewer than those who are guilty or set free. The particular cases involving murder are clearly stated. There's no confusion about it. By the way, there was no debate about it either. And the principles for the case of murder are still applicable for today. According to God, 
They haven't changed. Pastor Xavier Reese with Scripture's Simple Truths pertaining to the ruling of capital punishment. And you can request a copy of today's encouraging study titled No Refuge for Murderers. It's available for just $4 upon request. And by the way, this will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. The title to ask for once again is No Refuge for Murderers. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. To whom much is given, much is required. Find out why leaders have to be extra diligent to the Word of God when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for more Simple Truths next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California, www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.